Thank you, choir, for the reminder of the final hope that we have in the mansion that God has gone, or Jesus has gone to prepare for us. And uh, we do look forward to the day when He makes all things right and makes all things new through His uh, return. And so as we begin today, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you today asking that you would work through the Word, Lord, that you would work through me, that as I speak, that I would be clear, that those who hear this preached Word would come to understand the importance of your Scripture, and that through understanding what your Scripture is and what its place in our lives should be, Lord, that we would be changed. Father, I pray that we would see how the Scriptures should form us and should form our worship, and that through our study of it and our devotion to it, that we might grow closer to you and be obedient to you in our walk. Father, bless us now. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. So this morning we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at a few verses there. It's a very popular passage of Scripture uh, on the subject of Scripture. And so we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter t- uh, 3, verses 14 through 17, as we consider how the Word of God forms us and how it forms particularly our worship of the one true God. And so uh, I'm, I'm sure, like me, many of you grew up hearing this, uh, the saying, let me make sure I'm on here. No, I'm not on. Uh, I'm sure many of you grew up hearing the saying, uh, uh, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of your mamas told you that when you came home fussing about uh, some kid that's been bullying on you and, and uh, you know, been saying words to you and, and you just were upset about what they had said. You know, the thing that always bothered me about that is my, I know my parents meant it for my good. I know they meant that, uh, that I should not allow mean words to affect me, that I should just let them roll off and that they, you know, in reality, uh, a rock or a stick can actually break your bones, but words can't do anything to you. But I actually, as I've grown up and gained wisdom, I've come to find that that saying is absolutely patently false because words do hurt. In fact, words hurt more than anything else that we face. Words uh, can cause people to fall into depression. It can cause anxiety. It can cause stress. And it can lead people even to suicide. Just think of the teens, unfortunately, nowadays, who are absorbed with social media and they look to social media for affirmation of everything that they are. And so when they post a picture on Instagram, if people say something that is even slightly harsh, they fall into a whirlwind of depression and doubt. And some have even committed suicide because of what people have written on their wall on Facebook. Words do have an effect. The wrong word said at the wrong time can cause all sorts of pain and suffering. The wrong word said by the wrong person or to the wrong person has led to violence of all sorts, whether it be an argument between patrons at a bar or whether it be uh, the wrong speech at the wrong time by a world leader that leads ultimately to war. And the opposite is also true. A good word given at the right time, can build a friendship. It can inflame love. It can set a heart at ease. 
It can walk someone back from the ledge. Words create things. They create emotions and ideas in the people that hear them. Words can clarify. They can cause you to understand something better. That's the whole purpose of what I do up here every Sunday morning. Uh, Words can change someone's mind. It can convince that person to totally change his course of life from one conversation. Now, if that is true about our words, that our words have these effects on people, it's all the more true about the Word of God. In fact, the reason that our words are effective is because we were created in the image of God. The God of the universe is the God who speaks. His first act in Genesis chapter 1 is to speak. And his last act in Revelation chapter 22 is to speak. God's word does things. As Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 says, His word will not return to him void, but it will accomplish that for which he has sent it out to do. So this morning, we come to the last answer to the question of how we worship. And we've looked at all of these different ways from baptism to the Lord's Supper to singing to prayer, all these different ways that we worship. And we come to the last answer that I want to give to how we worship. And put simply, we worship by hearing and by doing the Word of God. And so uh, I'm going to take this simple answer and I want to answer it in two sermons today and next Sunday And we want to work out what I mean by this one statement that we worship by hearing and doing the Word of God. And we need to start by understanding the importance of the Word of God. It's one thing to say, yeah, we ought to read Scripture in service or we ought to listen to a sermon that's based on Scripture. But we need to understand why. We need to understand why it is important that we study the Word of God both as, a, as an individual and as a family and as a congregation. Why does it matter what this Bible says? So let's start in understanding that by reading 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Follow along with, with me as I read this. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14, God's Word says, But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent. Equipped for every good work. So there are three, three points that I want to cover today from this passage. And they are, God's Word is complete, God's Word is clarifying, and God's Word is converting. So God's Word is complete, clarifying, and converting. So first, let's see the fact that God's Word is complete. Notice again verse 16 of the passage that we just read. Paul says, 
All Scripture is breathed out by God. Now, the Greek word that is used there that we translate, I don't know how your Bible translates it, but mine says breathed out by God. The Greek word that is used there is theonoustos, which literally means God breath. So what Paul is saying is that all Scripture is the breath of God. All Scripture is the very spoken word of God. So when we read the words of the Bible, we are reading the very words of God. Now, yes, God used human writers throughout centuries who had their own personalities and their own backgrounds and they brought their own wisdom as they were led by God to write. But the words that they wrote were the words that God wanted us to have. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says that the prophets spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, theologians use two words to define the completeness of the Word of God, and they are inerrancy and infallibility. So inerrancy is the idea that God's Word contains no errors. As John Stott put it, The Bible is true in everything that it affirms. When the Bible says something, the thing that it says is true. If it says that there was a flood, then there was a flood. If it says that Jesus was born of a virgin, then Jesus was born of a virgin. If it says that Jesus rose again from the dead, then Jesus rose again from the dead. What the Bible says is true and trustworthy. Now, modern man may scoff at that, and they may say that the stories of the Bible that that the Bible tells, they just are impossible. But as the saying goes, the Bible says it, and some people say, I believe it, and that settles it. I had a pastor under whom I served that said, "That, that saying's wrong, that it ought to be not the Bible said it, I believe it, that settles it, but the Bible says it, that settles it. It doesn't matter whether we believe it or not. If the Bible says it, it's true, and we ought to believe it. But it doesn't make it true because we believe it. So Psalm 19 verse 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the the simple. The Bible is also, not only is it an errant, But the Bible is also infallible, which means that the Bible does not teach anything that is false. Now, if inerrancy deals with the facts of the Bible, what the Bible records and states to be true, infallibility deals with its teachings. So the Bible does not teach anything that is wrong or that is false. So, for example, if the Bible says that salvation is only through faith in Jesus Christ, then that's the God's honest truth. That is the way it is. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter if you have a lost friend or family member and that makes you feel bad about the fact that salvation is only in faith in Jesus Christ. It is the truth because that is what the Bible teaches. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 says, The word of the Lord proves true. And in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, Jesus says, Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will not pass away. The word of God is also complete in its authority. 
Back in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul lists out all of the benefits that the Word of God has in the belie- for the believer. He says that it is able to save, that it teaches, and that it teaches us everything that we need to know to be complete and thoroughly equipped. Now, as Baptists, we come out of the Protestant Reformation. And in the Protestant Reformation, one of the main things that led to the Protestant Reformation is the belief that Scripture alone is the sole authority for our faith and practice. The Pope or the traditions of the church cannot supersede the authority of Scripture. Oprah or Dr. Phil or any other self-help guru cannot give us any greater wisdom than we find in Scripture. In no single man, no organization, no book, no, nothing else in this world can supersede or override the truth and the authority that Scripture has. We believe that Scripture stands above all other sources of truth as the supreme Word of God. And the second point that I want us to see from this passage is that the Word of God is clarifying. In two different ways, Paul points out that the Word of God brings clarity in our lives. Notice in verse 14, he says that the Scriptures are able to make one wise. And then in verse 16, He lists out all of these benefits of Scripture. He says that it teaches us, that it reproves us, that it corrects us, that it trains us in righteousness, and that it equips us. So all of these benefits point to the fact that God's Word reveals who God really is, it reveals who we really are, and it reveals how we ought to live. So John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5 speaks of Jesus as the living Word. And it says that this word was the light of men. And so Jesus came as the embodiment of the word of God and he came to bring light. He came to reveal exactly who God is. Understand, friend, that we would not know God apart from the word of God and the revelation of Jesus Christ. We would not sit cross-legged on a hillside pondering the existence of our navel and somehow come to the truthfulness of who God is. God must reveal Himself. And He does that through His Word and ultimately through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, The Word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit. So the Word of God not only reveals exactly who God is, the Word of God also reveals exactly who we are. Though the world may tell us that we are basically good and that really all that makes us sin in this world is the oppression that we uh, absorb in this world, actually the Word of God tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Though the world tells us that if we just work hard enough and we live right, then we can gain salvation for ourselves. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Without the Scriptures, we would not know the depth of our sin or our need for a Savior. 
Lastly, the Bible also reveals how we should live. In Psalm 119, verse 105, David says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In that same psalm, in verse 11, he says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God directs us in the right way. It reveals the right way of salvation. It reveals the right way to faithful relationships. It reveals the right way in raising a family and in living righteously in this sinful world. Everything that we need it to know for the Christian life is contained in the Word of God. And lastly, the Word of God is converting. Back in verse 14, notice uh, what Paul says there. He says that the Scriptures are able to make one wise to salvation. The Scriptures, are, and especially the gospel message that they contain, is able to bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. When we read, or we share, or we teach, or we preach the Word of God, God uses His own words that we share to change the hearts of those who hear it. This is what theologians call the ordinary means of grace, that God works through His Word to give grace to us and to bring us to believe in Him. So Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the words of Christ. Do you catch what Paul is saying there? Paul is saying that when we hear the Word of God, when we hear the Gospel message, that God works through that message to change our hearts. So brothers and sisters, understand that there is nothing complicated about sharing the Gospel. There's no magical formula. There's nothing to memorize outside of Scripture. You can share the Gospel just by simply sharing the Word of God. You can share the gospel just by showing someone passages from the book of Romans. You can share the gospel just by turning to the gospel stories and sharing the stories of who Jesus is. There is nothing complicated about sharing the gospel. You are not called to come up with some logical argument or some good reason for why people should believe. You are called to be faithful in sharing the word of God. And it is God's word through the power of his spirit that will change their hearts, not your argumentation or your ability to do it. Friend, you may be searching for truth from some TV guru or from some new age philosophy or from some faith in science. But none of those ways of truth can bring you to the wisdom of God. Only God's word can make you wise unto salvation. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse six, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you want to know the truth and to have eternal life, you must come through the way of Jesus Christ as he has revealed himself in his word. Won't you come and trust in him today? Brothers and sisters, the word of God is able to make us complete. 
It is all we need for faith and godliness. Yet so often we run to other sources of truth, trusting in our own wisdom and ways rather than resting in the wisdom of the Lord. This is true in our personal lives as we often without a thought pursue the wisdom of this world in the way that we raise our families, in the way that we conduct our business, and in the way that we pursue our relationships. You know, it's not so much that we actively pursue wisdom in other places. It's not so much that we get a book from some self-help guy and we say, you know, this supersedes the Scripture. It's more in the fact the way that we betray our allegiance to God in His Word is that we absorb thoughtlessly the practices of this world without even processing it, without even considering how it might be in contradiction to the Word of God. Because the rest of the world does things with their teenagers and allows their teenagers to do things or allows their children to do things, we're like, sure, We ought to allow our kids to do it because that's what kids in our society do. Instead of being critical of the practices of this world through by considering how God's word informs our lives, we uncritically accept the processes and practices of this world. In our relationships, whether it's in our dating life or in our marriage life, we often we pick up the ways of this world and we say, you know, I just, I'm just doing it the way everybody else does it, rather than considering that maybe we ought to live in obedience to God's Word rather than in, obediences, in obedience to the practice of this world. And this is also the case many times for us in our life In the church, we will often, as a church, unflinchingly adopt the latest fad on church growth or worship practices, thinking that the next program will help us to grow. Or we think if we will make our church more appealing to outsiders and bring in something a little different, maybe we can reach more people. Oftentimes we adopt these changes without the first thought for what the scriptures say about how we should live as a community of Christ here in this church or in the world. It's not so much, again, that we read a book and we put it over the, the authority of Scripture, but so often we unthinkingly adopt the practices of the world in place of Scripture without, um, without considering what the Word of God should say. May we devote our lives to understanding the Scriptures, that we might be wise in the ways of the Lord. May we seek to know God through His Word, and may we be refreshed by it as as He works through His Word to give us grace and faith to live for Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that You have spoken clearly to us. You have not left us in the dark to wonder how we should live in obedience to you. You have not left us in the dark wondering how on earth we can be saved from the judgment that is to come. You have given us the truth of your word revealed ultimately and finally through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would live in obedience to your word because it is the sole authority for our faith and practice. It is the the way that we see um, the truth of this world. And it is the way that we see our need for salvation and that we are brought to salvation through the teaching of it.
Father, bless us as we continue to worship. May we leave this place ready to speak the truth of your word to this lost and dying world. In Christ's name I pray.